0: What is going on everyone? Welcome into a new episode of The Hangout in the Holy Land, the official podcast of LandGrantHolyLand.com. My name is Colton Denning and I am coming to you on December 2nd, 2018, and as always, I am joined by my friend and co-host, the scrappy socialist in the great state of Ohio, Patrick Mayhorn. Patrick, uh, we have we have some takes today. We have some very strong takes. Our star rating is going to go down, but we are going to get these takes off by hook or by crook.
1: Yeah, we've got. Um, we don't just have takes. We have capital T takes. We we've got <laughs> italicized takes. We've got uh, bolded, underlined, everything you can possibly do to a word takes. Um, I, I think that <laughs> the the star rating thing. I, I mentioned that kind of as an offhand thing on Twitter, and we actually got a couple responses from people saying that they that they enjoy us saying it how it is and not being homers which was nice of them so word up to the people who who said that we appreciate y'all and if you don't like it that's cool <laughs> yeah too. We're fine. Good with whatever that too. you listens are listens man <laughs> we're getting paid regardless <laughs> but um yeah the we should probably start with the do you want to start with the aftermath of the game more specifically today's playoff rankings and where Ohio State finishes or do you want to start with the actual game itself
0: well what what I want to start this podcast off with today and we just kind of alluded to it if you're looking for the Ohio State got screwed out of the playoffs podcast Uh, exit out of the podcast (laughs) app, go check somewhere else. This is not the show for you. If you're looking for Ohio state got screwed content, it is of the Ohio state screwed itself variety. That, that is what will be happening. And I don't want to get this misconstrued because we're going to talk about the game and we're going to talk about what happened because there was a, a lot of really fun things. That happened last night in Ohio State's 45-24 to win in the Big Ten title game over Northwestern. And, and I want to preface all of what we talk about today with this. This was a great season. Ohio State went 12-1. They're back-to-back Big Ten champs. They blew out Michigan in one of the most satisfying games in recent memory. They're going to have a chance to play Washington and win the Rose bowl and go 13 and one and the players and everybody else should be proud of the work that they put in this season. And by all intents and purposes, this was a great season. I don't want it to sound like we are saying that this sucked, that, players should be cut. Everybody should be fired. This was objectively a very, very good season for Ohio State. Would you agree?
1: Yeah, I, I think that, you know, you you go 12-1, and 1, you get to play in the Rose Bowl. That used to be like the Big Ten dream. That's like the ideal Big Ten season is that you go and you get to play in probably the prettiest stadium in college football. I think that the you know, you you go play in Pasadena, you go get to see all the festivities. That's a delight. That's a that's a wonderful way to end a season. And that's, you know, I, I won't be able to go to that game because I live in Ohio and it's very expensive to go to to Pasadena and to get tickets for that game. But just seeing it on TV, seeing all of the the pregame stuff, the parade, just the general environment around the game and the you know you, you see the sun setting in the fourth quarter and it's just it's a very cool experience all of it is a very cool experience and I think that it's fitting for Ohio State I, I wrote a column about this that people should go read on um, landgrantholyland.com about how this is pretty much what Ohio State deserves <laughs> I, I think that Ohio State is a, a very good team this year that didn't do what they needed to do to get into the playoff they struggled far too much against lesser teams they let lesser teams stay in the game far too long and they they did it again yesterday honestly if we're if we're assessing the game but you can't do that when you're trying to get into a, a four- team playoff you have to be dominant for most of the season you can have a couple off games but you can't stumble through the season the way that you did you can't just survive off of talent and also have a 30 point loss to a bad team on top of that and I I think that Ohio State's ceiling is excellent I think that Ohio State is not excellent I think Ohio State's very good they're gonna go play in a very good bowl game against a very good team and that's that's fine I'm I'm more than happy with a Rose Bowl berth for this team
0: that's gonna be I think a, a theme On this podcast and we're going to keep it mostly Ohio State and obviously everybody knows at this point the playoff rankings came out and Ohio State finishes sixth behind Georgia at that fifth spot and then Oklahoma gets the last spot at four and even as we're recording this and after this is recorded there's going to be a lot of talk about Oklahoma and Georgia and the way that the playoff was decided and there being, quote-unquote, inconsistent ways that they decided each year, which you can throw out. They change it each year. That's I don't even know why people are bringing that up. But secondly, I've heard a lot of, well, Oklahoma went to overtime against Army. Oklahoma lost against Texas. Oklahoma played this, this, and this, the third. We're not here to talk about Oklahoma because this is this is the theme for Ohio State, and I think last night's game ties perfectly into this and was a perfect amalgam of what we've seen all season, so we're going to try to blend what happened last night and what happened with the playoff committee's decision today in- into this episode because I-, I think it's it's very fitting because last night Ohio State went into that game knowing what it had to do. Everybody else had played before. Georgia already lost. Oklahoma won in the way that they won. They were for all intents and purposes the national game. Nobody was watching Clemson and Pitt. No, Nobody was doing that. They were watching Ohio State Northwestern to see what Ohio State was going to do in this position. And Ohio State had a great shot, a great opportunity at making a really, really big statement against Northwestern. And from the jump, kind of what we talked about on the preview episode for this game was if they went down and scored immediately, that was going to tell us something. And they did. And it was like okay, this is this might look like the Michigan game, and I think that they immediately got a stop and got the ball back. And from that point on until late in the game, they look like the same team we've seen for 11 of the other games because on that second drive, I think they were in Northwestern Territory. They had a bad penalty that ruined it. Bad penalties at crucial times a massive leak on the defense which led to that 77-yard Northwestern touchdown run where the linebackers were just they might as well have been playing with 8 players on the field for that. That was a common theme all of the season. We saw that against Northwestern. We saw that they were up 24 to 7 in the second half and had a chance to just really put their foot on Northwestern's neck and win this game by like 30 points. And even if they wouldn't have gotten in, they could have, like I said, made a major statement. Instead, it's a 24-21 game with a minute left in the third. And don't let Ohio State winning this game by 21 points fool you into thinking like, oh, this was a blowout. It wasn't a blowout (laughs) until the end end of the game. And we said that about the Michigan game. That wasn't a 23-point game, you know, to give Ohio State credit here. Ohio State, for all intents and purposes, won the Michigan game by, like, 40. I mean, they just totally railroaded those dudes. They worked them. They beat the hell out of them. And that score doesn't even indicate what Ohio State did to Michigan. This game is the same, just in a different way. Ohio State wins by 21, or is it 21? Yeah, Yeah, 21 points. And it didn't feel like it. This was a much closer game than the score would indicate. Ohio State absolutely deserved to win. But all of the problems that we've seen from them this season popped up, and it was quite honestly, for this team, it was the most fitting way for it to end because they had an opportunity to make a statement, to get into the playoff, and the problems that have plagued them all season popped up again.
1: Yeah, I don't think that I'm even really all that upset about this game because this is, is, like you said, this is what they are. This is what Ohio State is. I think that the... Purdue loss was the worst version of Ohio State and not telling of what they were this season. I think the Michigan win was the best version of Ohio State and not telling of what they are this season. Ohio State is, you know, they're a good team that can't quite put away lesser opponents, doesn't quite have that killer instinct, and isn't balanced enough to be dominant. And this was another one of those games. This was, like you mentioned, with Ohio State's mistakes, be it penalties, be it a couple turnovers, be it putting the linebackers up on the line again and giving up a 77-yard touchdown run to Northwestern's backup running back. It's self-inflicted stuff. It's it's self-inflicted wounds as it has been all season long. And, you know, it I, I think that I definitely agree that this 21-point win was a lot closer. And you can say that for quite a few Ohio State games this season. They, they spent Spent the whole year getting taken into the fourth quarter by average to below-average teams. And I think Northwestern's a pretty good team. I'll, I'll give Northwestern credit. They are, they are good at not getting blown out. They are good at sticking in games. But Ohio State's significantly more talented than them. Ohio State's significantly more talented than every single team they played, and they don't look like it, and that's why they're not in the playoff. And it, it was another one of those games. It was a game where... Ohio State's game plan was bad. It wasn't specifically tuned to the team they were playing. Their defensive game plan was bad. Their offensive game plan was bad. They pretty consistently tried to make a rushing attack work for no real reason. There was nothing about Northwestern that indicated Ohio State would have to run on them. Um, And when they finally went away from it in the fourth quarter, they scored 14 points, and they pulled away because they let Dwayne Haskins pick apart the zone, which is what they should have been doing the whole time. And it was, you know, it was like you said, it was a, you know, it it encompassed the whole season experience, save for the two extremes in Purdue and Michigan. It was Ohio State winning on talent, winning on elite quarterback play and overcoming poor coaching. And that's just what Ohio State was this year. And it was a fitting end, like you said.
0: I'm glad you made that point because I don't want to take anything away from Northwestern or act like this was a win that Ohio state didn't deserve because they played Notre Dame tough earlier in the year. They played Michigan tough earlier in the year. They had a lead in that game. They beat Purdue. One of the teams in this game beat Purdue. Like we said last (laughs) week, and it was not Ohio state. So Northwestern, this isn't a bad win. This is, this wasn't like the Minnesota win or the Nebraska win. This was a hard fought win. And there were things that Northwestern brought to the table that they had to make, or that Ohio State had to work for, and, and that's okay, but at the same time, I, I think it goes back to the talk of expectations here, and kind of where we're at with Ohio State talent-wise, because they were up 24-7 in this game, and even if they didn't get into the playoff with a 40-point win, the the fact is is that they had that on the table, and then they reverted. They got conservative at the end of the first half. They had a chance to put more points up on the board and to really just say, you know what? This shit is over. You're done. You can't hang with us. Hey, playoff committee, we just beat Northwestern by 40. What do you, what do you have to say about that? Even if you don't get in, that, that's the kind of stuff you do. That's how they got into the 2014 playoff was by beating Wisconsin by 59 points and making them be like, you know what? Baylor and TCU are really good, but with what they just did, that was the last thing that saw in their mind. They were the committee's last impression and they left one that was good and not great and that's okay, but what where the complaining and you know where the agitation comes from is that they should have done it because they were doing it and then for reasons that I'm sure we'll get into, they just got away from it. And maybe that was, you know, running the ball with Mike Weber sideways when even when they ran with J.K. Dobbins, he was gaining four or five yards a pop. Just little stuff like that that they've been doing all season that didn't make sense. And, you know, missing the playoff is okay. That's fine. I, I'm not going to hold Ohio State to the standard of make the playoff every single year or the season's a failure. You know, I. I I'm done with this team if, if they don't make the playoff. That's fine to miss out on the playoff. Going 12-1, and 1, like I said, is awesome. I have no problem with that. That doesn't make me upset. That's a very high bar to meet every year. And Urban Meyer and his staff, by those standards, are meeting... They're meeting that. They are. Even with you and I and others complaining about it, they are. that They're doing... Record-wise, a very good job each season. What isn't great and what isn't okay is when Ohio State gets left out of the playoff in 2017. And then we go into this season thinking, okay, hopefully these things are fixed. And hearing these things are fixed. And they're not. The same exact yeah. things cost them from the playoff last year as did this year. And they had two losses. I get that last year. That's fine. But the just the things we saw. Blowout loss against an average-ass team on the road. If they lose the Purdue game by three points, do you think they get into the playoff? I don't really want to play the what-if game, but do you think things are at least a little bit different if they lose a hard-fought game to Purdue instead of being blown out by 30?
1: Yeah, I I think it's certainly closer. I think that it definitely comes down between them and Oklahoma, not Oklahoma and Georgia. I'm not sure if they would be able to overcome the whole being bad all year thing and and winning on talent and not coaching. But I do think that if they play Purdue closer, not maybe not even 3, maybe just like a normal game like 10 and they they don't look completely incompetent on defense and they just they look like a football team, like a D1 football team, then yeah, there's a serious point that can be made there. But when you struggle through the entire season and on top of that you lose to a 6 and 16 team by 30, you don't really have an argument at that point. You you've made your bed. You know it's not a case of Ohio State getting screwed here because Ohio State spent the entire season just coasting by, and they know the rules. They, they Ohio State knows what it takes to get into the playoff. They know that you can't just win games. You have to win games and be impressive while you do it. And especially if you're gonna lose by thirty to Purdue, you you have to look dominant if you're going to get into the playoff, especially in a year where there's three undefeated, you know, power five, essentially power five with Notre Dame teams and a a fourth undefeated G five team. And, you know, a one loss, Oklahoma two loss, Georgia, that seems to be very good. You have to play better than that. You have to play better than Ohio state did all year. And I I think that a three point loss to Purdue definitely helps that. But I also think that Ohio state needed to stop underachieving and they, they did it all year.
0: Yeah. And and that's, I think you're right. That's just what it comes down to, that people can say that the committee screwed them, that they had better wins than Oklahoma, that they didn't have two losses like Georgia. And I completely agree with that. That's Those are valid points to make. But at the same time, let, let's not just cape because we're Ohio State fans here, guys. Let's really take a look at this and view the whole season for what it was. Because the, the thing that, that I see pop up and I, I think is not valid here when it comes to Ohio State is this thought of Alabama and kind of what they've done to the sport of college football and how they've made these unrealistic expectations and warped everything else, not only in the SEC, but everywhere else. And that it's unfair to compare anybody to them. And and that's going back to looking at Ohio state going 12 and one and hearing people say, Oh, you're, you're not happy about it. Would you only be happy if they were like Alabama and that's fine. But I, I don't think stuff like that works when it comes to this program, you know, not, not the program that had a motto called the chase, which was literally referring to catching up to Alabama and not only that, but surpassing them, you know, not only that, but having a coach that is, Unequivocally, the second best coach of his generation and Nick Saban's biggest rival. That stuff doesn't fly. So, when I hear people talk about not being happy about 12 and 1 or not making the playoff every year, that's okay. But when it's the same stuff year in and year out, and the program wants to hold themselves as, hey, we're DBU. Hey, we call our defensive backs the best in America. We do this, that, and the third. We're better than everybody. You have to live up to that standard. And despite the awesome record this year, there were certain things that they did completely not live up to both on and off the field. If we, if we want to be quite honest for a second here and they deserve criticism for that. And it was a great season and I think we can be happy about it, but at the same time, and, and you and I have been on this wave all year and we have been very unapologetic about it is that there are certain things in this program that that have just been lingering. And they were issues we were talking about last year during the Iowa game. And those are some of the same issues that we are still seeing today and that we saw last night. And that is why that they, they are not in the playoff. It's not because anybody has a bias against them. It, it's not because of anything other than Ohio State cost themselves a shot at playing. And for the talent that they have it's unacceptable, and it's okay that they didn't make it, but for for the problems that they've had to be the same exact ones, that's where my biggest issue is, and, and that's why this season is kind of always going to have a tinge to it because they had the opportunity to fix these things, and they didn't do it.
1: Yeah, and this is the thing that we've been kind of railing on all year is that the the people who are paid to be involved with this football program are the ones that have failed the football program now back-to-back years. And I would say it even goes back to 2015 with the coaching staff getting in the way of an extremely talented team.
0: This season was very similar, if you really look at it, between playing, you know, remember that early... Season game against Northern Illinois where they won 21-14. And they had all those future NFL players and played in a bunch of close games. And it was like that up until the Michigan game. And everyone thought, oh, Michigan's going to beat these guys. And then instead Ohio State just went out and kicked the shit out of them. This was the same season other than not having a blowout loss. But for all intents and purposes, this was kind of the same thing. And it's been that way since then.
1: Yeah, and it's bad coaching hires, be it Tim Beck in twenty fifteen, Ed Werner in twenty fifteen being promoted, to now Greg Ciano, Bill Davis, even some of the newer guys like Alex Grinch and Taver Johnson I'm not super sold on, Kevin Wilson I don't like at all. And that's not that's not acceptable. That's not acceptable for a program that's paying their coaches as much as they do. And you know, I, I we know that we talked about the report that Urban Meyer would retire next season after what seems to be uh, kind of a farewell tour, I guess, is, is kind of what they're <laughs> what they're going for. But it, it really and I, you know, we, we've said this before and it feels strange to say about a coach that's won so many games. But what is Urban Meyer bringing to Ohio State right now other than recruiting? what exactly does Urban Meyer do on a day-to-day basis that makes Ohio State better other than just standing there on the sideline? Because it doesn't seem like he's really that much of an offensive innovator right now. He's certainly not a defensive guy. He's now hired several coaches that have actively hurt his team's success when they had extremely talented groups of, of players, and... It's not that hard to recruit to Ohio State Jim Tressel recruited top 10 classes to Ohio State and he did not like to recruit. He was not the most, you know, charismatic guy in the world to high schoolers and he was able to get those guys to come to Ohio State. So, it you know, it makes you wonder what exactly is Urban Meyer in what seems to be the twilight years of his career? What's he bringing to Ohio State? What, what is he doing that Ryan Day couldn't do or that Matt Campbell couldn't do? And you know, I Again, it's it's strange to say about someone who is ostensibly a coaching legend. Urban Meyer will go down in you know the college football history books and the record books as one of the best coaches ever, but I don't think Ohio State has that version of Urban Meyer anymore. I, I think that that version of Urban Meyer was satisfied after 2014 and since then has just been kind of there and coasting off of his his name and his pedigree. And I think that that's a great metaphor for Ohio State football as a whole. I I, I think that Ohio State since 2014 has been just kind of coasting on the fact that they're Ohio State and they haven't played with the the chip on their shoulder. They haven't lived up to the the chase thing or any of those mottos that Urban Meyer brought to Ohio State, any of those ideas that Urban Meyer brought to Ohio State. And I, I think that a a change, be it a handoff to Ryan Day um, or just Urban Meyer retiring and Matt Campbell coming in, Dino Babers coming in, Luke Fickle coming in, whatever it may be, I don't think that would be the worst thing for the program. I, I really I don't think that Urban Meyer is doing a ton to alter what Ohio State is doing, at least in terms of bringing Ohio State wins. He might be altering them negatively, but I think that Ohio State is winning off of talent and they have been all year and you know you you mentioned that there are some things in the program that haven't been fixed now for several years and the committee can see that the committee is is well aware that ohio state still has bad coaches on their staff and there's no real reason to let a team with bad coaches on the staff into the playoff especially when you have as many as ohio state does you you have greg shiano you have bill davis you have greg sudrawa you have all these guys who are useless and than a head coach who spent the season looking pained on the sideline, who spent the season talking about his his health issues, who spent the season seemingly preparing for a retirement. And I, I don't see any reason to put that team ahead of a team with, with Lincoln Riley, to put that team ahead of a team, even with Brian Kelly, who I don't think is all that good of a coach, because at least it seems like he cares. And like he wants to be there and like he's, involved in the actual coaching process. But with, with Urban Meyer, I think that it's it's definitive of the whole program right now. I, I think that Urban Meyer is the perfect representative for what Ohio State football is right now. It's complacent. It's coasting off of elite ability and name recognition rather than the things that actually make a program great, the things that make Alabama great, the things that make Georgia, Oklahoma Clemson, even Notre Dame, the things that make those programs great. Ohio State is Ohio State looks like an elite program, uh, everywhere but on the field. And that's an issue. That's that's a pretty serious issue, and that's what happens when you get complacent, is that you you, you start to do, you know, you, you start to just kinda go through the motions. And we saw it at Florida State after Jameis left there and after they win the national title, they started to just try and go through the motions. And it feels very similar to what Ohio State is doing.
0: And you know what? Are we spoiled with watching this Ohio State team and what they've done over the last eight years? Oh, totally. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. We are spoiled, and we recognize how good they have been and how good we have it that they can go 12 and 1 and we can bust out an hour of hey we're kind of disappointed talk like (laughs) trust me it is not lost on us about how spoiled ohio state is and how spoiled we are as fans and how lucky we are to get to see this run and that not many other there's really only one fan base that gets to see this level of success but at the same time it goes back to what i said that if they want to pump out that they put out all these guys to the NFL, that they're the best in America, that they are on the same level as Alabama, then you have to back that up. And, you know, I, this is something nobody's really talked about. Uh, it's been four years since Ohio state's won a playoff game. Let's, let's just throw that out there. And that is the expectation is to get to the playoffs and at the very least win a game and going into next season, it'll be almost five years folks since Ohio state has won a playoff game. And, I know that the regular seasons have been great. The records have been great. But if we're judging this team ultimately on playing for national championships, that's not good enough. And the, the the fact that that it does really just seem like it's just complacency because as we've talked about all season, these fixes aren't life-changing, life-altering, program-altering ideas of what Ohio State needs to do. To fix their on-the-field problems. This is stuff we saw last year. Getting your linebackers in position. Not giving up 70-yard runs. They've given up six runs of 70-plus yards. Only Georgia State has done that. Ohio State should not be doing that. There's no Power 5 team that should be giving up 6 70-yard plays in one single season, let alone one with a bunch of guys who came here with the aspirations, very realistic aspirations, mind you, of going to the NFL and playing there. That That just isn't a thing that should be happening here. And it's happened year after year for at least the last two seasons. And at some point, it has to change. And at some point, somebody has to step up and be like, no, this is bullshit. Like, why? We're yeah, we're Big Ten champions, but why aren't we more? If the standard is winning championships beyond the Big Ten, why aren't we doing it? And it's been back-to-back years now, at the very least, in three out of the last four, that they have had simple fixes that have been right in front of their faces, and they've just stood there with the status quo and not done it. And I'll just go back to the playoff thing. It's been 4 years since they won a playoff game and that's just not good enough.
1: Yeah, if they're going to, you know, if they're going to say that they're an elite team, which by most measures they are. I mean, Ohio State is historically if not the most elite program in the country, a top 3 most elite program in the country and one of the most consistently great football programs in the country. If you're going to parade around as that, which they should, they have to back it up, and winning 12 games is awesome. Winning 12 games is, you know, any team would be thrilled with with that result. But Ohio State isn't just any team. It's not just any program. Iowa won 12 games a couple seasons ago. Iowa went to the Rose Bowl, won 12 games a couple seasons ago, and that was a program-changing season. And that's fine at Iowa. That's excellent at Iowa, and you know that's it. You mentioned that we're we're very spoiled as Ohio State fans, which we definitely are. But it's not because of it's not for no reason. Uh, Ohio State fans are not spoiled for no reason. It's because the expectation that Ohio State set by the players, set by the staff, by the administration, by everybody is excellence, and that that requires excellence from all. Involved parties, not just the players, not just the quarterback, not just the coaching staff, even everybody has to be excellent. And I think that the quarterback play was excellent this year. I think at times the players were excellent this year. And for exactly one game was the coaching staff excellent this year. And that's unacceptable at Ohio State. That's completely unacceptable at Ohio State. And I I don't know what the future holds for the Buckeyes. I sure hope it's not a similar trajectory to Florida State. Because they're not in a great place right now, but <clears throat> I, I can't you know I can't say that that won't happen for sure. I, I can't say that Ohio State's complacency won't just keep getting worse, or that they'll actually fix the problems. I'll, I'm willing to give them the benefit of the doubt that they can go out and try to fix some things. But like you said, these are not huge you know culture shifting changes that they have to make. They just playing more zone with your linebackers not running the ball every first down after a turnover or just every first down in general going out and game planning for, for each opponent having a set game plan for each opponent doing the things that Alabama does where you have you know 40 support staff members who are former coaches that just watch film that's their whole job and there's a reason that they do that Alabama can afford to do that Alabama can afford to to have guys who just watch film and talk about it and there's no reason that Ohio State can't do that there's no reason that Ohio State can't be as prepared as any team in the country for every game that they play and they're not and that's just the way that it is that's that's just the way that Ohio State is right now
0: well we'll we'll talk about it after the bowl game or when more coaching news happens because there's bound to be a lot of movement as this offseason progresses, but I definitely know you and I and a lot of people that listen and a lot of people that don't even like us would be on the same page and saying that at least a couple easy fixes would be that uh, the defensive coordinator needs to change. The linebackers coach needs to change and probably the offensive line coach needs to change. Th- those would be the three biggest ones and we'll see as the offseason goes on. I think Urban Meyer alluded to that a couple weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken, that there were going to be some conversations in the offseason. But like you said, we'll we'll see if they can back it up because it's been status quo right now. He doesn't fire people. You know, Nick Nick Saban hires people he hates. And that's, that's a hard standard to be held to. But if you want to be one of the best coaches in the country still, you have to make those tough decisions and not just have a linebackers coach there because he was in your wedding. Or Greg Shiano is one of your best friends when it looks like he has no idea how to game plan for an offense that, by the way, had their highest yards per play average of the whole season. Awesome. I I heard somebody say during the game last night, Ohio State's defense is playing well. Oh my god. I was I was blown away by that. And there was that thing that popped into my mind earlier in the year after they played TCU when you and I were talking and we were talking about the big plays. And I remember thinking, uh, well, you know, that was one big play. And I think for a lot of defenses, that holds true that if you take out, you know, the biggest play, then you can say outside of that, the defense played well. Not this defense, because the big plays are all that they give up. So it's like those, those count, you know, when you give up six 70 yard runs, you can't just say, well, if you take away the big play, like, no, that's just kind of their identity is giving up the big play. That's not an anomaly. And that's just goes back to the point of there were certain things that happened last night, even in a win that we saw all season and are indicative of the things That need to change about this program and why, despite all of our complaining and grumbling here, why we can still look at them and say, man, if they just make one or two fixes, they're up there, they're right there, and they're actually at the place where, yeah, nobody wants to play this team, whether they're the fourth seed or not, and not just... When they miss the playoff and everybody who capes for them saying, oh, yeah, the committee left them out there because nobody wants to play them. Any Power 5 team isn't scared of playing Ohio State right now. Nobody's scared of them. (laughs) Hopefully that they, they come out and show it against Washington because I saw Washington up close in person this week. They have a very good defense. They have a fast defense. They have a physical secondary. They should beat Washington by 30 points in the Rose Bowl. They should blow those guys up. And we'll see what they do. They have a month plus to prepare for it, or I guess just just a month at this point. And they should run Washington out of the building. And will we see that? Or will we see what we've seen now twelve out of the thirteen games they've played for the most part?
1: Yeah. That's I've... that
0: that's the question. <laughs> but hey, we are literally we're at the end now, folks. We can't say, hey, maybe maybe next game it'll change because after this, there is no game. They can't win the national championship. They can't make the playoff. They could finish third. They could finish fourth, maybe. But that that's it. That's the highest it's going to get this season. And we went through a whole season of saying, oh, maybe this will change. Maybe after next week, that'll be the spark for them. There is no more spark. So hopefully they come out against Washington and, and they do what they're supposed to do, and they look good, and they look competent, and they look like they're a team that can make adjustments and have coaches that can coach up to the level of the talent that they are coaching. That's what I want to see from the Washington game. Even if they don't blow them out by 30, I want to see a complete game by them and be able to look back offensively and defensively and say, you know what, that was their best shot on both sides of the ball because I don't even know that we've seen that this year maybe in the Michigan game but we didn't see it we didn't see it last night from the defense and that just it, it's it's frustrating and they have one more shot to do it and I don't think this is a meaningless game I think this is a really big game and a chance for them to put their stamp on this season finish it out on a really strong note against a good team and we'll see if they can do it because it's been hit or miss all year.
1: Yeah, I I would certainly like to see Ohio State um come out and play a, a complete game um with a month to prepare. They should certainly come out and know that if you put pressure on Jake Browning, he makes mistakes. <laughs> if you um you know prepare for the swing screen that Washington does on every third down, you can stop them from converting it. Um. It, it is possible to beat Washington. It's it's doable, and the, the defense, you can scheme around it. I, I would love to see more of the the crossing route stuff that they did against Michigan. It seems like that's just the offense now, so it, it should be at least okay offensively. I think that that's going to be a really fun matchup, Ohio State's passing game against Washington's defense. Um, but, I mean, I'm not— really expecting it I'm I'm thinking it'll be a lot like the USC game last year where Ohio State wins they don't do it very convincingly it's also never really all that close it's just kind of there it's like a 24-7 24-10 they'll probably not be able to hold them to that that low of a score so like a 31-20 type situation and that's just what Ohio State is I would love to see the elite version of Ohio State twice this season rather than just once, i don't expect it um without <laughs> without getting too far into the actual game itself because we i mean we we've certainly talked around and about the Ohio State northwestern game quite a bit. I do want to say specifically about the passing game, dwayne Haskins and these receivers they were fantastic dwayne haskins yeah dwayne Haskins is. Unbelievable! He was 34-41, 499 yards, five touchdowns, one interception. He is fantastic. He's magnificent. I think that it's, you know, uh, a wonderful thing that we got to experience a year of Dwayne Haskins in college at the team that we like because – he is as good as they come, college quarterbacks. I don't think he's going to win the Heisman. I think it should probably be Kyler Murray. I think it's going to be Tua. Um, all three of them are very, very close in in terms of talent and production. And I think that, that Dwayne definitely deserves to be in New York. I think he will be. And just in this game and the last three games, going back to Michigan and Maryland, he has been – as good as I've ever seen an Ohio State quarterback. So all credit to him. He was he was fantastic. And um, I, I saw that he said he'll be playing in the Rose Bowl, which is awesome. I'm I'm really glad that we get to see 60 more minutes of Dwayne Haskins in college football before he goes on to the NFL. And these receivers, um, we've we've talked about them quite a bit this season. And it, it's honestly it it. it it's a little bit emotional to to talk about these guys and the the journey that these seniors these senior receivers have gone through um and we mentioned it last week if there's a redemption arc with this team it sure as hell is not with the head coach it's it's these receivers and it's johnny dixon overcoming multiple knee injuries it's paris campbell overcoming some pretty severe drop issues and some confidence issues. It's Terry McLaurin overcoming some drop issues, some confidence issues and some injuries. And all three of these guys stepping up all season long as leaders, as not just receivers, but as blockers and as pretty much the, I think the heart and soul, not just of this team, but of the offense and um, I'm just I'm so proud of those guys and what they've done this season. I'm so happy to see them putting it all together and playing so well.
0: Chris Olave overcoming the coaching staff. Uh, <laughs> no, but th- there was it's so awesome to to watch those guys and to Haskins for a second that throw down the sideline to Terry. That's McCormick. unreal. Yeah, he couldn't have even handed it off better to him. <laughs> that that was just high level stuff and and awesome to see. But yeah, watching a guy like Johnny Dixon catch. Seven passes for 129 yards and a touchdown. I think he went over a thousand career yards last night. And to your point, the the injury issues he's had, and he was a part of that national championship team. He was he was a freshman, and so he's he's seen that. And for him to get to the end of his career and be making plays like this is just you you feel so happy for for a kid like that who's fought through so much. Paris Campbell's only eight yards away from being the fifth Ohio State receiver to have a thousand yards in a single season. I hope he's able to just knock that out of the way early in the Rose Bowl. And Terry McLaurin, man, he is going to get drafted somewhere. Yeah. And and if he's not, he'll be undrafted and he'll have a ten or twelve year NFL career where he shines on special teams and makes a couple big plays, probably wins the Super Bowl and makes like a crucial catch during that game. He is just he's been everything and more and I know I've said it here before for like 2 years I just railed against him and was so critical of him and I was I was wrong. I was totally wrong <laughs> because he is a dude and I love seeing that the way that uh, that he stepped up and finished his career and back to Olave He's going be to be a star. He's going to yeah. be a beast. <laughs> and, and I think I, I'm trying to figure out how to quantify this because I, I think this is not a problem that Ohio state's had for a couple of seasons, but maybe just a, a clog that they've had because all of these guys were in the same class or spread out in, in two classes and they've all been so talented that you all, they all have to see the field. And I think next year with most of these guys leaving, they It may be an even better group because there may be just a more concise way of giving everybody the ball. Like, I think Chris Olave is going to go into next year and everybody's going to know, like that's wide receiver one right there we're gonna make sure that guy has 75 catches and then you're gonna have a guy like KJ Hill who's gonna be the efficiency short yardage crossing route guy and it feels like now they just have so many different options and Haskins is talented enough to get it to him but they kind of have to spread the ball out I think next year you're gonna see a guy like Olave just kind of shine out on his own. And I'm not saying that that's like been a problem with this year, but I think it's going to be different going forward with, with the receiver group. And I'm, I'm interested to see how that plays out, but the way he's been able to shine the last couple of weeks has been pretty unprecedented and has been fun to watch because he is definitely a dude.
1: Yeah. He, he is for sure getting the, the solid verbal dude alert. Um, Olave, ben Victor, Austin Mack, possibly K.J. Hill. I, I think he might go pro, but um, if those guys are back, it should be, like you said, another very talented receiver group. I'm not super sure I'm confident in the quarterback that we'll be throwing to them, especially if uh, if Dwayne goes to the NFL. Obviously, if Dwayne goes to the NFL. Um, but I don't know, maybe maybe Tate can get it done. Maybe they'll bring in a grad transfer. But, um, yeah, I, I think that the receivers and Dwayne Haskins have been Easily the brightest spot on this team this year, and um, we, we've certainly we've railed on the coaching staff deservedly so all season long. I think that, along with Larry Johnson and for a good portion of the season Ryan Day, um, the the coach that deserves credit for for this team being not not being what they are, but being the best version of themselves against Michigan and a bright spot of this team is Brian Hartline. I, I think Brian Hartline, while he's not perfect, he's he's not the the guy that I would have hired to take over for the receivers and he's obviously still here on an interim basis. But um he he has proven himself this year. He has he has done an excellent job under tough circumstances that he had nothing to do with. And uh, the the wide receiver coaching issues was on Urban Meyer was on Zach Smith and Brian Hartline under those circumstances has stepped up he has taken a group of guys with a ton of potential that had never really put it all together he has helped them put it all together he has turned these receivers not into just great players but into great leaders for the team and I, I really I think he will but I really hope he gets the full time job because I'm extremely impressed with the job that he did. And I think that he has a, a really bright future as a coach. And I, I say that as someone who did not believe that he would he would do all that well. So I'm more than happy to say that I was wrong about Brian Hartline, that he has done an excellent job this season.
0: Yeah, we swung and missed on that one, but that's all right. If we're wrong. <laughs> when We're wrong about Ohio State. That just means they did something good. And and you and I are fine with that. That's that's okay with me when we're wrong about stuff like that. But yeah, he's he's done a very admirable job more than admirable job given the circumstances both on and I think you know most his recruiting has been good. the biggest reason is off the field yeah and his recruiting <laughs> yeah. has been good you know I, I've joked about Olave only you know overcoming the coaching and, and seeing the field late in the season and I know you've brought this up a few times about the Austin Mac injury, we don't have to like do a deep dive in, in December about this. But uh, how co- are we even? Let's not even talk about Garrett Wilson until he like the the first touchdown he catches or like the, the first, first play of the game, game next year. Yeah, because I'm not going to be the guy who's like, yeah, Garrett Wilson's my guy. He's the freshman, and then he just doesn't play all year.
1: Garrett Wilson is very good. I'll, I'll say that.
0: No, no, I'm I'm totally with you. I'm I'm on that page. But like, if the thing is you know they got to make a mark on special teams before they play like garrett wilson's just going to be like a special teams guy until he's a junior and then he's going to have 1800 yards God be like, damn it. <laughs> where, where was this why wasn't he playing
1: i hate that I, I do think that they'll play him pretty quickly but we'll we'll see i have been proven wrong before on things like that that, that seem pretty obvious but um wide receivers definitely a a point of hope for next season I I think that the defensive line will still be pretty good next season and um obviously we will talk more about next season when this season is actually over but um you know wide receivers credit to them credit to Dwayne Haskins um offensive line I thought was fine in this game they they didn't do too much that was I mean outwardly good but they also weren't terrible obviously they were a you know helpful in in Dwayne's big game they were not very good in the the rushing game but i don't think ohio state's play calling did them a ton of favors there and i i thought that wyatt davis was mostly fine i didn't really notice him which is kind of my my gauge for if a guard played well or not is if i don't notice him he probably played pretty he probably played pretty well and um I think in general the line is is pretty average they were pretty average in this game they played out of their minds against Michigan and um that's enough for Dwayne Haskins to get the job done so whatever (laughs) whatever with the line
0: yeah and for a first start for Wyatt Davis uh, I'll take that I I didn't think it was anything special but that's fine for that's a tough that's a tough ask for a first start even if it's Northwestern and, and not another, you know, a higher level team. That's a team with a good defense and a defense that can confuse you with different schemes. So I thought, given the circumstances, he played well, and it'll be good to see him and a lot of these other players get this bowl practice and kind of see that improvement as we head into the Rose Bowl. To wrap up, our, you know, some of our thoughts about. This game and other people who played well. I thought you you talked about the defensive line. Maybe Chase Young's best overall game he, yeah, he at Ohio State. He <laughs> just sacks. absolutely wrecked Northwestern's offensive line. He sent Clayton Thorson into another dimension on that sack fumble. <laughs> he was a lot of fun to watch. And if they develop somebody else on the other side of him and not – You know, if there's not just all of the attention is focused on Chase Young next year, they're going to be special up front again. Teron Vincent made a nice little tackle for loss. I think Tommy Togi made a tackle for loss. Haskell Garrett was in for some plays. So, this defensive line going forward, I don't know if they're as bendy on the outside and can get to the quarterback as much as some past Ohio State defenses, but defensive tackle wise, they are pretty, pretty stacked and should be very good going forward.
1: Yeah, I I agree. I think that um, the defensive line is probably going to be awesome next year. I think that as long as Bill Davis is not coaching the linebackers, they should be fine. They they had the one bad play, and they had a couple bad plays in this game. But when they're allowed to play as a— Did he own, Warner
0: play last night?
1: Um, I don't see that he recorded a stat, and I didn't notice him during the game, but I, I do think he, he did— play I, I think so um I'll, I'll have to check and see if he was listed as a starter but i think that um yeah he was listed as a starter he just didn't do anything um but i think that if the linebackers have a better coach maybe marcus freeman coaching the defense as a whole would be would be very nice he's been awesome at cincinnati this year and um He actually has experience coaching, which is helpful. (laughs) But um, Malik Harrison had a pretty good game. He had two quarterback hurries, 10 tackles. Um, I think he was the best of the linebackers and showed, again, that when they do put him into a zone, he's very useful and very good. Um, Another not great day for the defensive backfield. I thought Brendan White and Jordan Fuller were mostly fine. Um, Brendan White had a really big hit. Jordan Fuller was pretty consistent all day. Um, Our boy Sean Young. Or Sean Wade, geez. Our uh, boy Sean Wade had an interception. He had three tackles, including, I think, another big hit, if I remember correctly. Yeah. He's very good. He he is probably the most consistent cornerback on the team. Not a great day as for him. Dam- fre-
0: as a freshman, too, I yeah. think that redshirt, he's going to yeah. improve by leaps and bounds
1: next yeah, year. Yeah, he, he should be pretty good next year. It might be one of those situations where, because he's a redshirt sophomore next year, where he plays one year, he's excellent and then he's gone (laughs) we're like why didn't we play this guy sooner um but I think he's really good at that cornerback he's probably the best cornerback we have um not a great day for Kendall Sheffield unsurprisingly um not a great day for Damon Arnett Jeffrey Okuda was fine I don't remember him getting burnt he he had a nice play near the end of the game where he um got his entire hand on a deflection and uh on a, a crossing route I think it was a third or fourth down and um, in general, I think he was fine. I'm, I think I'm ready for Kendall Sheffield and Damon Arnett to to move on. Even though Damon Arnett had a near forced fumble and he did have the interception off of a, a deflected throw, but um, the, again, the the young guys kind of giving me some hope for this team next season. And um, we'll we'll see <laughs> we'll we'll see with next year's team. I'm not super confident that they can repeat this twelve and one run next season because uh they're not going to have Dwayne Haskins to save them, but um we'll you know we will we will have plenty of time to talk about that during the off season and uh what a long off season it will be.
0: <laughs> it's gonna be a very long one. Uh yeah. last thing here, Drew Christman. We've been giving him props yep. all year. Four punts, two hundred and nineteen yards, a fifty four point eight net average, along of sixty two. He's been aces for most of the year. And can't say enough about him. He has been an actual weapon for them. So love to have Drew Chrisman around.
1: Yeah, he's very good. Demario McCall was fine on kick return. He didn't have any huge plays, but he continued to be a threat, which was good. Um, Blake Hobbio had a nice 42-yarder. He had a 27-yarder blocked. But um, outside of that, I think he was okay. K.J. Hill was fine on punt return. Didn't make anything happen, but didn't screw up at all. yeah, I, I think the special teams was fine. I think that the offense was, was good, if not a little bit too conservative for my taste. Obviously, Northwestern is, like we said, a hard team to blow out, but I would have liked to see Ohio State come out guns a a little bit more because they, they knew what they had to do <laughs> to get into the playoff in this game, and they didn't do it, and it's it's disappointing. But I don't think Ohio State really deserves to be in the playoff anyway. So I, I think Ohio State gets what they deserve. Um, hopefully, the defense has a different coach next year. Hopefully, the line has a different coach next year. And that's um, I think that that's the best the best way to describe this season is hoping for new coaches next year.
0: Yeah, that's that's basically where we're at. Do we have anything else to wrap up on the Ohio State side, or I guess the this whole podcast?
1: No, I, I think that I think that that's about it. I, I um, I'm glad to see that we can stop talking for a couple months at least. And we, as the broad term for Ohio State online in general, can stop talking about the ESPN SEC bias or, uh, you know, the the ESPN Georgia bias or things like that. Because it's not, like, it doesn't matter. (laughs) And Georgia being ranked one spot ahead of Ohio State doesn't matter. It doesn't mean anything at all because both teams aren't in the playoff. And, Had Oklahoma lost, Ohio State probably would have gotten in over Georgia. I don't think that what this poll says changes that, Um, and I think that there would have been a much different approach to the rankings had Oklahoma lost, but they didn't. And I think Ohio State is probably the fifth or sixth best team, and um, that's not because of what ESPN says or doesn't say. It's not because of any (laughs) network. That's just because of what Ohio State did this year, and that's – kind of the way that it is. Um I, I think that that's I think that's about it. Stop blaming other people for Ohio State's problems.
0: But the inconsistencies of the year to year rankings, man.
1: Every year's different <laughs> That's that's I think the best answer to that is that every college football season is different.
0: <laughs> yeah, and you know what? I, I know that there's been a lot of railing on about this, but like that's what makes college football great is only four only four teams can, can get into that playoff. And I know you and I probably disagree about the playoff and its, its current format. But I, I am of the belief that there's always going to be somebody that's unhappy. And it's not, for as much as we've complained, it's not a complete failure of a season for Ohio State not to make the playoff. There's a lot to be happy with. And, you know, sometimes you're just the sixth best best team and you employ Bill Davis and Greg Shiano. Yep. That's actually, that's <laughs> hey, that's an accomplishment. Ohio State has managed to employ Bill Davis and Greg Shiano and is still the fifth or sixth best team in the country. That's something we should all be proud of.
1: Yeah. <laughs> they did it in spite of coaching, the, the 2018 Ohio State story.
0: <laughs> I just learned that I will be spending my New Year's Eve in Santa Clara watching Oregon and Michigan State. If that's ooh. of any interest to you, yeah, that, that's, that's not that's not new. That's not, like an ooh, ooh, yeah. ooh.
1: That's not terrible. Maybe Justin Herbert will be playing. Probably not.
0: <laughs> I feel like I, I want to see Mark Dantonio get into a fight. That's the only thing that's going to save that.
1: I want to see Mark Sanchez get hired as Michigan State's head coach.
0: <laughs> Mar- <laughs> Michigan State offensive coordinator Mark Sanchez. Yep. Let's let's wrap up. <laughs> let's get the. F- Out of here. All right, that's that's gonna wrap it up. We want to thank you guys for listening to us all season. We know we are like the alternative version of Ohio State podcasts out there, and we're proud of it. We like coming with a different. We stand with our Everything absolutely. We stand with everything, and whether you agree with us or you don't, you hate us or you like us, we we don't bullshit this. This is something we actually put work into. We're not saying stuff just to get people riled up or get people fired up about stuff, you know, trust me, we don't want to be talking about Ohio state having no clue how to use their players. We would prefer to do something else, Yeah. (laughs) but this is where we are. And we're going to call it how we see it. And we want to thank all of you for listening to the show all year. We aren't going anywhere though. Basketball season's ramping up. Football of course is a year round thing. We'll have everything you need to get ready for the Washington game and previews of that talking about other bowl games and everything going on with coaching searches around the country, early signing day, national signing day. It never stops. So we'll be around. Make sure to go to soundcloud.com slash Lang and Holy Land to find the show. Also subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Drop us a line. Let us know what you think about the show and leave a review. Subscribe there. Follow us on Twitter at Holy Land Pod. Patrick is at Patrick underscore Mayhorn and I am at Dubsco and we, as a site, are at LandGrant33, and you can find us at LandGrantHolyland.com. God Goddamn, that is a lot of shilling, and I am done doing that for the day. But <laughs> until next time, we will catch you right here on the Hangout in the Holy Land. For Patrick Mayhorn, I'm Colton Denning. Go Bucks!